O Christ, the source of all good. Destroy in us every lofty thought. Break our pride to pieces and scatter it to the winds. Annihilate each clinging shred of self-righteousness in us. Implant in us the holiness that you desire. Remove from us self-loathing and self-abhorrence. Open in us a fountain of penitential tears. O Christ, would you break us and then would you bind us up with you? Would you prepare our hearts to be a dwelling place for the Father? O Holy Trinity, three persons in one God, inhabit me. Consecrate us to be a temple for your glory. O Father, we we confess that nothing exceeds your power. Nothing is too great for you to do. Nothing is too large for you to give. Infinite is thy might, boundless is thy love, limitless is thy grace, and glorious is thy name. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you open your scriptures with me at this time as you remain standing to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. The psalmist says, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. May God bless the reading of this word. You may be seated at this time. I would like to welcome you to White Oak this morning. I've seen some new faces, and so I just want to introduce myself. My name is John Wethington. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at White Oak, and uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. And um, I love preaching the Bible, and yet this morning I'm just a little bit extra excited because uh, sometimes uh, when you're reading the scriptures and preparing a sermon, God puts something on your heart so heavily, 
And I can just testify that this morning is, is one of those mornings for me. I'm excited to, to dive into this with you because I truly believe the title of this sermon, which is that invitations change the world. Everything you do began as an invitation. Every passion you have, every career you're pursuing, every relationship that you're in, Every hobby that you enjoy, every passion that you have, initially began with an invitation. Nobody comes out of the womb an engineer. No one comes out of the womb a basketball player. Nobody comes out of the womb married. We, we entered this life naked and with nothing, and somewhere along our journey, somebody invites us into something. If you are married or you're in a relationship, there was a moment where probably the guy got down on one knee, and asked the woman to marry him, invited her to live with him forever, invited her into an exclusive relationship for as long as they both shall live. It was an invitation, and hopefully she said yes. Everything begins as an invitation. I had the opportunity to get lunch with a, a mentor of mine from back when I was in high school named Chris Stratton, who many of you know. He was a youth pastor here a little over a decade ago. And uh, he was the first man that ever began pouring into my life in a lot of ways. And I attribute a lot of where I am today to him investing in me when I was in high school. And I remember when he began investing in me and wanting to lead me through the scriptures and train me up and teach me how to love and serve the church. I remember him inviting me into this. And I remember by God's grace saying, yes, I would love for you to invest in my life. It was an invitation that I received. It was an invitation I said yes to that forever changed the entire course of my life. Maybe you've been invited into something. Everything you do, eventually somebody said, hey, maybe you should consider this. Maybe you should go to school for this. I see this in you. Have you ever thought about doing this or this person? Everything begins with an invitation. I've probably never told you the story about the time I was invited to um, join a secret society. I've never told the story, have I? It's a great story. So I was in college, and I was a freshman, and I'd been in school for like probably two months. And uh, after being in school for two months, uh, I get this email to my college email account, and it's this, this group with like a, a, a very um, ambiguous email called the Young Bohemians. I don't even know what that means, but that's what they were called. And they emailed me saying they had been watching me on campus, completely true story, and they wanted to invite me into a group that they had that was a secret. And so I thought it was kind of shady. I was going to ignore it, but my roommate was a really adventurous guy at the time. And so I shared it with him and he's like, man, we got to follow up on this. We got to go check this out. How often do you get invited to join a secret society? Right? This, is, this is like the ideal invitation, right? So he went with me because I was kind of scared. And uh, in the email, they had told me that there was a certain place on campus under this certain bridge of which my official quote unquote invitation would be waiting for me. So we went down there together in broad daylight, because it was kind of shady, and we went to this bridge on campus. If you're from HBU, you know it's real. It's called Friendship Bridge. And under this certain bridge, there was this little cylinder container of which half was buried in the ground and half was sticking out. At that point, I said, I'm out. This is, I'm, I'm done, okay? No more. But once again, my roommate, who was very adventurous, was like, man, we've come this far. We've got to figure out what this is. This is really cool. And so I was like, do you want to be in this society or, or, you know, what's going on here? So anyway, he was the brave one. He went under it because I thought it might be a bomb. I said, I'm not going to do it, but if you want to, whatever. So anyway, he goes up to it. He grabs it. And uh, we open up this little cylinder container. 
and we pull out the most official invitation to anything I'll probably ever receive. It was literally, I kid you not, a scroll. And so we, we opened up this scroll, and the, the ends of the entire invitation were literally burned. Like it was burned like an official letter, and the writing on it appeared as if it was from one of those, I guess, feather ink pens that you dip in the little thing and you write on it. And they invited me to this special meeting that they wanted me to come to on campus that night at midnight on this certain place on campus. They were inviting me officially to to join something and in order to to get in I had to, to come to this special meeting. Needless to say, I never went, okay? I didn't feel like dying at the age of nine, at 18, so I decided not to go. I officially declined the invitation, and yet to this day, as you can tell in this sermon, I wonder what would have been different if I had taken them up on that invitation. Because when it comes to an invitation, everything you can say yes to or you can say no to, and regardless of what you say, your response to an invitation forever changes your life, doesn't it? Every invitation, everything that you're offered, everything, every product you buy to some degree changes you. Every relationship that you're in, friendship, romantic relationship, relationship with Jesus, every single invitation, everything we have the opportunity to join changes us. And invitations change the world. And I say that because Psalm 96 is nothing more than an invitation. It is an invitation from the psalmist, not only to people of the world to acknowledge how amazing and powerful and glorious God is, it's an invitation that the mountains and the seas and even the trees would acknowledge how good God is. You see, church, the world is broken. We live in a sinful world and we're all to blame. We have ignored God's commands and his laws, and we live our lives totally separated from God, the purpose of which we were created for, and we are lonely and we are aimless, and as Augustine said, our souls are restless until they find God. We live lives and we're lonely and we're sad and we're broken and we're wandering and we can ignore it for a while, but our hearts always wander back to this reality of why am I here? What is my life about? And what am I doing? But then God, but then God invites us into his story. God, seeing who we are, knowing where we were at, sent Jesus Christ to be the fulfillment of everything we've ever needed. Before we get into Psalm 96, we must always begin with the gospel because God's invitation for us to to leave the lives that we currently have and to, to regain a relationship with him comes through the life of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The hope that Psalm 96 invites us into, that we could honor God and love him, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that in history. Jesus is not just a good man. 
He is the center of the Bible. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything God said in the Old Testament. Every time he said, one day I will restore and renew my people. I will renew all things. I will make all things new. We will recreate the garden in this world. Everything will eventually be perfect, but the sin of the world must be dealt with. And God, not wanting us to bear that weight, sent his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, to die on the cross for our sins, that you and I would not have to bear it. Psalm 96 is an invitation, but the gospel is the ultimate invitation. The gospel, Jesus Christ on the cross, is an invitation that Christ is offering to you that you can nail all your sins to his cross. You can nail everything you've ever done, every mistake you've ever made, everything that you did yesterday and this morning. You can nail all of your junk and all of your garbage and all of your trespasses on his cross. He can bear that for you. It's an invitation, but you must receive it. The gospel is an invitation to receive the perfection of Christ, to be united with God because God is perfect and we need to be perfect, but we were not perfect, but Christ was perfect for us. So Christ dies for our sins on the cross, lives a perfect life, rises again, and then hands salvation to me and you. And all we have to do is believe. It is the great invitation and it is an invitation that will change your entire life. You see, sin invites you daily into evil. The computer screen daily invites you into temptation. Work daily invites you into stress. Family daily invites you into strained relationships and self-righteousness. Church daily invites you, sometimes, amongst the sins of even our own people, to fall and to stumble. Sin daily invites us away from God. You don't need God. You don't need that. You don't, you don't believe that. That's not, that's not true. This is better. Look at this person. I, I know you're married, but, but come this way. Like, like, no, 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 come do this. Like, here's an invitation. Your life will be better if you partake in this thing. And yet the gospel is an invitation to be washed clean. Church, what happened this week? Do you know this morning that God loves you and that there is so much cleansing in the name of Jesus that all you have to do is believe? And then we think, well, I'm not worthy enough to share his gospel. I'm not worthy enough to invite anybody else into this. And that's the greatest lie that's destroying the church. You are good enough to share the gospel because of Christ's works that cover you. You are good enough. You say, but I'm an addict. In Christ, you're not an addict. But I struggle. In Christ, you don't. You say, it's hard to believe. And I admit sometimes it is hard to believe. In Romans 5, Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, what are we justified by? Faith. Because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And here's the crazy part. 
and this is the part that I struggle the most to believe. Eventually, I can work myself into believing that God loves me and that I'm forgiven. I can get that. But sometimes, even for me as a pastor, the thought that God could ever use me, because I'm so unclean, I've got so many issues. I'm not worthy to stand up in this pulpit. I'm not worthy to preach to you. And probably if you knew everything that happened in my life this week, you probably wouldn't even want me to stand up here. If any of us truly knew the struggle of another, we'd never take advice from anybody. And yet that is the scandal of the gospel. That is the crazy part about it, that God breaks these chains and makes us beautiful, makes us righteous, because he loves us so much that he wants us. Let me read this to you from Isaiah 52. This is the invitation that we invite the world into. This is the invitation that you're invited into. Isaiah says in Isaiah 52, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Verse 2, shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem, and loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The gospel is the great invitation for broken people like me and you to be made clean and new and perfect and beautiful and to no longer be addicts to the sins that chain us down. God says, arise. I know what you think you are. I know who you think you are, but arise. Put on your beautiful garments this morning, church. Take off the dirty clothes. Take off the sin-stained shirt and put on the most beautiful shirt that you could ever imagine because Christ has made you such. Christ has made you new. He has made you beautiful. We are no longer defined by our sins, but by the beauty of Christ. If we simply believe in him, if we place our life in the life of Christ, we are made new. But not only made new, we are now called to publish peace, to publish salvation in this world. You see, global missions is a global invitation for the nations to know God's love missionaries, global missions, we talk about that a lot, everyone for everyone. It is simply going to the nations to invite people into the glory of God the same way the psalmist invites the mountains to praise God. You see, global missions does not begin with unreached peoples. It begins with the glory of God and how amazing and beautiful and perfect that glory is. And it's so perfect and it's so beautiful that everybody needs to know it. It's everything that we need but something we have so little of. The world is broken, it's evil, there's wars, there's selfishness, there's wrongdoing, and yet God desires to rebuild it because he created it for a beautiful purpose, and yet our free will has ruined everything. I always laugh at all the, the new ideas of man. All, every new culture has their, their whole new idea of how everything should be and the way morality should be. And I love history, and what history does is it makes you cynical of the past, I mean of the present. Every generation has their ideas of how the world will be better, and we've got all these ideas, and yet humans always fall short. 
And what we believe is that we have the message that will change the world. Do you know, I say this all the time, the Christian faith is the most widely held belief system in human history, factually, logically, historically. Out of every faith, every nation, the one thing that the most people adhere to in the world today is the Christian faith. Below the equator, the faith is exploding throughout Asia, throughout South America, throughout Africa. America is trying to get its stuff together at the current moment. And yet God invites us to have a global footprint. Let me read you this. Just in the past year, let me tell you some of the things Wadok's done. God has worked through us. We went on our first international mission trip back in November in over a decade went to Southeast Asia. This past month, the Star family went to Ethiopia on a family mission trip. Several months back, uh, Ken Lubeck went to India on a mission trip. I got lunch with Chris Stratton, a guy from our church who is serving in Bangladesh. He's a youth pastor. He's just too good of a youth pastor. He can't, he can't get beyond it. He's just loving the kids there, right? Many of you know Jeff George, a guy from our church. He uh, spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. See, God invites our church into this. Global Missions is publishing salvation. But it begins with who God is. And then here's, when I look at the world and the church and America, like here is, I think, the biggest problem that we're facing. And I think a year and a half in, I think this is kind of, if I think of something that I want to devote my life to, to see God glorified, to, to see people find the joy that Christ offers, the newness and the freedom and salvation. I think we see the gospel, and I think we know God is good, and, and, and we know that missions is good. And yet the average Christian in the world today, especially in our country, we live so disconnected from our ultimate purpose. See, I think the ultimate conclusion of Psalm 96 is this, that we are door holders of God's invitation. I I did not come up with this. There's a a well-known pastor in America who came up with this idea, but I I love that image that we are door holders. You know, you go to a restaurant, someone holds the door for you so you can come in. It's like we already are one with Christ. We are renewed and it's not easy, but we're growing. And yet now I'm just happy to be a door holder. This is why I exist, this is why I I live, and yet the problem is there's so many people and there's so many of us, and we're we're tempted by the enemy to believe that we have no part in what God is doing. See, Psalm 96 is all about David has been renewed, because David did not write this psalm, but he actually quoted this psalm in 1 Chronicles 16. He quotes Psalm 96 when they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which is a special thing that signified God's presence. They're bringing it into Jerusalem after it had sojourned in all these different places and all these wars. And as the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, and in bringing it into Jerusalem, it was representing that God had always been with them, that God had saved them. Once again, life's been crazy, the country's been crazy, but God has been with us. We are here, we are safe. Here is God's presence. He quotes Psalm 96. He doesn't just say, life is good, okay, here I am, I'm saved. He says, look, everybody needs to know about this. Every tree needs to sing the glory of God. David is a door holder for other people into the kingdom. 
He's just holding the door. He's inviting people. You can live an aimless, meaningless, nothing life, or you can know the God of the universe, your choice. Some will say yes, some will say no, but that's your two options logically. It says in verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. He declares among the people, tell others what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has saved you. And church, this is why we share the gospel. We do global missions because we're a door holder. We live in this community. We exist here because we are door holders. We are missionaries in the city of Houston. We are missionaries. We are, we are made new, and we now exist in this community for the ultimate purpose of God's glorification, which ultimately comes through disciples being made. It's the best thing you can do, and yet most of us live our lives just so set apart from the ultimate purpose of what God is doing, sharing the gospel with people. What Christ has done in your life is holding the door open. I read this really cool story about Steve Jobs. I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan of like a lot of the inventions that Steve Jobs came up with. I use quite a few of them myself. I'm a huge Mac guy. And there's this really cool story about at the age of 12, uh, Steve Jobs, this is how he knew he was brilliant. He wanted to build this like certain thing of technology. I forgot what it was even called. But he needed these certain parts that he didn't have. And so he calls up the guy from Hewlett Packard, which is a big computer company today and was back then. That was back when they had phone books. Remember phone books? Some of you? And everyone's name. You could not have your name, number listed back then, supposedly. And so he literally was able to look up the president of a massive computer company, Hewlett Packard, in the phone book. And 12-year-old Steve Jobs calls the president of Hewlett Packard at his home on a Saturday and says in his 12-year-old voice, hey, so I'm wanting to build this thing, but I need some products. Do you have anything that I can use? And the president of Hewlett-Packard gets him all the supplies that he needs to build this piece of technology that it was crazy that a 12-year-old could possibly build. And yet not only does he give him all the pieces that he needs, he offers 12-year-old Steve Jobs a summer internship at 12 years old at Hewlett-Packard. He offers him a job, and, and, and Steve Jobs goes there over the summer, and in his words, he was in heaven. And he attributes most of what he was able to do from the passion that he gained when he was 12 years old. You see, invitations change the world. You see, we're door holders. The Great Commission, which is probably one of the most important passages for us today, Matthew 28, verse 19, when Christ is about to leave after he's reconciled people, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Making disciples is an invitation. Making disciples is an opportunity to know God. What if we have to change, I think, the way that we view our lives? We have to begin seeing ourselves as a sent people to Houston and not just people who are living here until we can get out. Sometimes I ask myself, what is my life inviting people into? What are the things that you are inviting people into? 
Let me close with the first verse of Psalm 96. David says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. When David says new song, whenever you see that phrase um, in the Psalms, most people think, oh, it's a fresh song or it's a spontaneous song or it's a brand new modern worship song. And yet a new song would have not meant that. A new song would have been David saying, sing to the Lord whatever song you're singing, but sing it from a heart of something that you've just experienced. See, often we struggle to get past the past. We struggle to see what God is doing in our lives today. And while I believe with everything in me that God can use us to sing a new song in this community, I believe that God can use this church and mobilize this church for the glory of God. We exist and we are here to invite people into what God is doing. Invite people into faith conversations. Invite people into the faith community because people are hurting and they're broken and they are in need of something and they're living life totally cut off from the purpose they were created. And we are here. We are sent to the city and then we send to the nations. We are here for the glory of God and invitations change lives and they change the world. Somebody invited me into the faith. Somebody invited me to the glory of Christ. So sing a new song. Whatever song we sing to close this service, sing it as a result of what God is doing in your life today, not 30 years ago. You know, church, I I drive through this neighborhood all the time. I've been driving through this neighborhood as long as I could drive. Like many of you, I was born and raised in Oak Forest. I love this community. And I was driving through... um, this past week, and it's funny, you see all these different churches in the neighborhood, and you can tell they were all built like in the same year, it seems like, doesn't it? It seems like they're all built at the same time. It's like every church here was built in like 64 or something, you know? So that's what it looks like. You know, Wadok, and I was thinking to myself, in all my years in this community, I've never seen one of these churches just explode. Never seen it. Then my mind begins wandering down the pragmatic path of, well, you know, we're not a suburb, it's not fastly growing, and, you know, here's the dynamics. And my mind quickly begins to revert to pragmatism and efficiency and strategy. And then Psalm 96.1 pops into my head immediately as I'm driving through the community and praying. And I hear God telling me, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Are we willing to invite people into the kingdom? Not because we're good, not because we're smart, not because we've got it all figured out, but because we are a renewed people. Not violently, not hatefully, not advocating a bunch of moral things. We're not, we're not taking back the culture. We're just sharing the gospel. We're not going to be take back America guy. That ship has sailed a long time ago. But I pray that the result of our church is not the result of our lack of invitation. 
I pray that we would adopt a Psalm 96 mindset. What would it look like if we began to sing a new song to the Lord in this era, 2015, Houston, Texas? What if we were a part of something that was so much greater than our individual strengths? What if we came together? What if we encouraged each other? What if we quit focusing on these like small details of the church and our whole focus and our whole goal was just to tell the people in the community what's going on, what God has done for us, and to invite them into what God is doing? What if we were all about sending global missionaries? What if we were all about just loving people where we find them and sharing the gospel and not worrying about their response, just worrying about the reality that we've been given an invitation to share? Will you be a door holder for the kingdom this week? We are thankful for what God has done in the past in this community and in this church, but we are concentrated on what God wants to do in this moment right here today. The implication of God's great glory is the advance of the gospel story in Oak Forest and to the nations. I want to invite you today. Maybe... Maybe you're not a believer this morning. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're just kind of wandering through this life. Maybe your heart's beating really fast right now, and and maybe God has brought you here today to give your life to him. I would encourage you to see me after the service. I would love to hear about what God's doing in your life. Maybe you're a Christian, and, and yet you're feeling like maybe there's more for you in your life than just existing in your neighborhood. Maybe you want to become a missionary in your community. I would love to hear about that. I want to invite you to hold the door with me for the kingdom this week. Because invitations change the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time. And Holy Spirit, this is the moment in the service where we come and we ask you to change us as we pray this very prayer. Holy Spirit, we have acknowledged that we are weak and that we need your help, and yet within Christ there is so much strength offered to us. God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be a part of your glory in this community. God, we want to see you do something powerful in our lifetime. We want to see your church transformed. We want to see it impact the community, Father. We want to see it send uh, missionaries to the nations that people would be invited into the love of God. We want to see those things, God. But like David in Psalm 96, you desire to share that message through us. So, Father, would you make us clean in this moment? Would you remind us that our chains are broken in Christ, that we are made new and made perfect, that we can have everything we desire in life simply through having faith in you? Would you empower your church, Lord, not just to gather in this place, but to scatter in this community and to invite people, Lord? There are so many wonderful and beautiful people in this room. God, there is so much that you could do through our lives. And yet, God, we need you to move us. We need you to be the wind that takes us into this community and to the nations.
thank you for this church this morning. I pray for everybody that's here, God. There's so many things in our lives that, that get in the way of us being door holders for the kingdom. There's so many personal struggles. There's so many things we're dealing with, thoughts that are going through our heads. There's ailments. There's relationships that are strained, God. There's all these things, Lord. And so, God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal those things, God, so that we could focus on inviting people to know your never-ending and perfect love. We thank you for all that you're doing in our community. We pray that you would use us this week. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.